Bryant. Thanks for tuning in. Here it is already August 25th, 2021. I appreciate you watching. I'm Skywalker. We have a very special guest, Southern California's own Jim Carson, radio legend. Boy, talk about somebody who has been around from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and beyond <laughs> until he retired in 2016. Uh, boy, this guy has, has uh, been a boss jock. Talk about who has been everywhere from KGB, uh, boss radio, working with Bobby Ocean, and then on to KFRC and, and was just a fixture in Southern California for so many years. And even if you didn't grow up in Southern California and you would visit with the family, no doubt uh, you heard Jim Carson's voice. We used to joke that he was the voice of Southern California. And we caught him between golf games <laughs> now that he's retired. And we're so glad to catch up with Jim Carson and his radio memories and joining us from his uh, beautiful home in Simi Valley, California, the great radio legend, Jim Carson, Jim, it is so good to see you again. Skies. I haven't seen you since you walked out the door of K earth one Oh one. That's coming up on five years, by the way, five years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 Thanks for the invite. This uh, this should be fun. Oh, this should be great. Boy, you have been a part of Southern California. Not only that, but you've been a part of Northern California, too. But your entire life. Now, for people who haven't, uh, you know, been brought up or raised or, or know Southern California, uh, people, uh, Jim was was born and raised in La Canada. <laughs> people do that they used to do that my mom used to go shopping and, and the department store lady would say is that lock canada no there's a tilde on the end <laughs> la kenyatta and he's he, he's a he's a homeboy and and uh you have been up and down inland empire san diego yeah no in, no inland empire but uh burbank well, to san was, diego where, to you want came in no, no, oh, I thought you were. No, I missed the San Bernardino circuit, but I have, okay. of course, we both have a lot of friends that went through both Cayman and KFXM. Yeah, for, for some reason, I thought you yeah. were on Cayman. Yeah. Uh, nope. Oh, okay. So you did miss the Inland Empire. I missed, I bypassed the Inland Empire. Okay. Definitely San Diego. I knew you were there. Yep, for sure. Uh, and where do you want to start? And, and, why don't you start from the beginning? Where did it all begin? Well, I started, I started uh, Sky Living My Dream at the tender age of 19, shortly after acquiring an FCC license. And uh, my dad had recently passed away at that time, so I was helping with the family business. But uh, in the meantime, I have a friend, Doug Salma, who had a duo by the name of Doug and Freddie. And he was good friends with Art LeBeau and Dick Hug Huggy Boy. And he knew that uh, I had that FCC ticket and he came into the business one day and he said, Huggy is starting a new show from the front window of Flash Records at Jefferson and Western in L.A. on 1490 KBLA in Burbank. And the station does not want to hire a babysitter with a ticket to babysit him. And Huggy doesn't have a license. 
So I'm going to tell him you're going to come out and meet him and see him and hook up with him. So I did. I drove out to the transmitter uh, studio in McCambridge Park in Burbank. And he was there familiarizing himself with the studio and everything, even though he wasn't on the air. He didn't have a license yet or he didn't have the remote to, uh, on the go. The, let's go with the remote yet. Uh, hi, everybody. So, Just yeah. tell me where do I go? <laughs> I walk in. I, I, he says, uh, uh, read some news for me. So I go to the UPI wire and I rip and read some news. And he says, that sounds like KFWB. You got the job. I'm going to pay you 125 a week. And I just want you to know it was from midnight to five, Monday through Sunday. Uh, or uh, actually Tuesday through Sunday. And I go, okay, um, um, yeah, I, that sounds good to me. He says, but I go home during the week when there's no customers coming to Flash Records to see me broadcast from the front window and purchase records. I go home at 1.30 or 2 o'clock, and you can play records from the transmitter till 5 o'clock. And I go, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I'm on with that. And so I did. And anyway, two weeks go by. He didn't pay me. And there was a little tongue in cheek thing about Huggy who had direct deposit at Santa Anita. So <laughs> I, I never, never saw that 125 bucks. However, Bob Smith was the guy's name. He was the operations manager at KBLA. He came in and did the farm news at five o'clock and plugged in the Spanish remote, which was from the front window of a record store in San Fernando. Devos de la Valle, Antonio Valencia. And he came in one morning and he goes, I got to fire someone. I want to hire you. You keep the log. You do Huggies commercials. You enter everything right. You observe the tower lights. Mel Leeds is the manager. He knows you're coming. So I go to the office in, uh, at Lancashire and Oxnard, North Hollywood. And I walk into Mr. Leeds' office and there he is sitting there with his feet up on the desk. And he says, hey, kid. He goes, uh, hi, Mr. Leeds. Nice to meet you. Here's my tape. And he goes, you don't need the tape. I heard you. You sound great. And by the way, we're taking you with us when we go to 10,000 watts and move to 1,500 on the dial. And I go, whoa, that's that's a good promise. By the way, Mel was late of Winds in New York. He came from Winds in New York to K-Day in L.A., where he, he managed that. State. And he brought Alan Freed with him for a minute. Oh, he I had, didn't it know was a, that. Yeah, he, it was a daytimer wow. at, at 1580. And their slogan was swing right, uh, uh, swing to the top of the dial, 1580K day. That's what they call the top of the dial. And uh, yeah, they had Alan Freed, they had Tom Clay, they had Mark Ford, who was later Marv Howard on KHJ and mm -hmm. KMPC mm -hmm. and became a good friend of mine. Uh, so anyway, so uh, I get hired and now I'm the guy that comes in and reads the farm news because the station KBLA was licensed in 1947, back when the Valley was farms. So mm -hmm. it was built into the license that that was mandatory. So I come in and do the news, and then I introduce, Escuche de lunes a sábado a las cuatro de la mañana en su estación KBLA La Voz de la Valle, Antonio Valencia. And he goes, thank you, my friend. And he goes into his two-hour Spanish remote. The station was foreign language and religion, time brokered. That's where Huggy came in, of course. Uh, Flash Records and some record distributors were paying his line fees. And anyway, I went through, Mel was good to his promise. I stuck it out there, and uh, we had a great staff at the end. Of course, that later became KBBQ, K Barbecue. They had a great staff. Bill Ward had a great staff there of country jocks, but you know, our same problem. And then later, K Rock AM, the right. same problem right. was no signal. You couldn't hear the you know the station out of the valley. And uh, unlike KGIL, who called themselves the Valley Station and did well, we were trying to be an LA station that you couldn't hear in LA. 
But anyway, at the, the, the end of the line for me there, right before it flipped to country, we had an awesome staff. We had Emperor Hudson, late of KRLA. We had Roger Christian, songwriter, credits with the Beach Boys. We had Dave Diamond. We had Humble Harve. We had Bob Dayton. And we had me. I was the midnight to six guy. The funny thing about that station is you had the the same caliber of jocks that, that were at KHJ. Oh, yeah. We, we sounded good. Uh, and, and Bruce Wendell was the program director. Later near the end, I was doing nine to noon. They moved me off the midnight to six to nine to noon. I, I had heard that it ended because uh, the, the owner was bouncing checks. That was later. That was during the K-Rock era. That was after George Cameron sold the station. That was a whole different. Yeah, that was when it was uh, K-Rock, the K-Rock era. It was still AM, though. Yeah, it was AM 1500, K-Rock, and the the on-air people were racing their checks to the bank before they bounced. (laughs) Right. That was was a hearsay for me because I was gone by then. Oh, okay. I, I wasn't in. I wasn't in because that's why Charlie, because Charlie Tuna had gone there, and yes. so was uh, uh, I think it was Russ O'Hara. Oh yeah. Well, and, they had a you know they had a great staff there too. I mean, it, that that frequency uh, rotated a lot of great talent through there. But there again, it was the the problem was you couldn't hear the station. Right. When I was working midnight to six uh, on KBLA, I was the kid on the staff. Uh, on weekends, uh, there was no cell phones then. People would come up from Orange County to cruise the Sunset Strip and Hollywood mm-hmm. Boulevard. And they'd pull over to a, a payphone and call the station because we gave the numbers out for requests and whatever. And uh, I'd get calls saying, are you some kind of pirate radio station? Because we can't hear you in Orange County. You know, so but they were in for a, you know, a treat. But near the end, I'm doing nine to noon. And uh, right before it flips to KBBQ and country, and Bruce Wendell, our program director, walks in with a 45 on Electra Records by the Doors called Light My Fire. And it's like 9.30 in the morning, and the record guys had just been there, the promo men. And he, and he got that's when he gets his new records, and the, you know they, they hype the, the new product, so to speak. And he said, get this on as soon as you can. So I played Light My Fire all seven minutes and two seconds of it on 1500 KBLA in Burbank. So that was pretty cool. Wow. Wow. What history. What great history. Dave Diamond signed the station off when it flipped the country with the doors. This is the end. <laughs> is the that end. right? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. And then I the worked station. with Dave. I worked, I worked, excuse me, I worked with Dave twice after. Uh, well, one other time after that, we crossed paths at KFRC. When, when I went up there, he was he was there doing the diamond mine. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's sad because that station just just went away. It just never went. It never came back. Exactly. It went from KBLA to KBBQ to K-Rock AM, all at 1,500, 10,000 watts straight up in the air that you couldn't hear with a good tailwind. And uh, it's dark now. It's yeah. Completely- yeah. It never it never returned. No. So so then how do you get to KFRC? And, and that must have been a blast. It, the, well, I went there from KGB, and it, the transition was like flying a Cessna to a 747. I mean, that was the enormity yeah, exactly. of the station. Okay, so San Diego, because I've worked San Diego, and San Diego is kind of like a kickback market. 
the population back then had just reached a million. The Padres came into the National League. We had the Chargers down there. It was not a basketball town because the Rockets were there and left and moved to Houston. And then later, the Clippers moved there and moved to L.A. It just it didn't draw basketball fans. But, yeah, it was it was a fun time and a fun town. And uh, back, I got to backtrack because the lead for that job and that transfer and the initial job, because it was Drake consulted, we were boss jocks, worked with Bobby Ocean and, and uh, Buzz Bennett was the program director. One of them, Mark Dennis, was the program director when I got there. And Mark, of course, everybody knows Mark. If you didn't get a birthday call from Mark, uh, you know, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't his fault. So he just didn't know it was your birthday. <laughs> he was a great guy, and, 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 and of course, we miss him. But um, anyway, I'm doing midnight to 6 on KBLA in Burbank, and on paydays, I would get off the air at 6 and flop on the couch in the lobby and wait for the office to open and the paychecks to come out. Pam Olson, the receptionist, came in one morning and says, uh, we're talking. By the way, did you get your message while you were out? And I go, uh, no. We had those little slots on the reception desk. So she goes to the bottom drawer, which was under lock and key in her desk, and brings out the, the duplicate m messages while you were out. And it was Tom Rounds, call collect, area code 415. I call, the sweet voice answers. Her name is Ann. She was there when I got there a few years later, still the receptionist. Tom Rounds came right on the line, and he goes, uh, Drake, uh, Bernie, and, and Watson and I were driving around in the limo one night listening to you. And we think you're one of our kind of guys. Would you be interested in joining the organization? And I go, well, yeah. So he goes, okay, well, give us, give me a phone number there where we can, one of our guys in LA can contact you. I'm home in bed now, payday. I went to the bank. It's 1130. My phone rings. I answer it. It's a gruff Ron Jacobs. How soon can you be here, man? <laughs> I'm thinking, what? KHJ, man, it's cool. How soon can you be here? And I go, as soon as I get dressed and, and, and get in my car, I'll be there. Miss, make it fast. Hang on. Click. So I show up, and, and Shelly uh, Gordon was her name. She was later married Robert W., of course. She was Ron Jacobs' assistant. And Shelly greets me in the lobby and, and brings me into Jacobs' office, and he gives me the tour. And uh, Frank Terry was on the air at the time, and later, coincidentally, I got to work with Frank at KFRC. So uh, anyway, so I get the tour and Jacob says, so what do you think? And I go, yeah, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm ready. He said, okay, well, sit tight, you know, just sit tight. I said, okay. He said, we'll contact you. We know who you, where you are and who you are, blah, blah, blah. So shortly thereafter, it's uh, Watson calls and he goes, uh, where you been, man? I go, I'm right here. He goes, we got KGB to talk about. Want to go down there and pay your dues in the organization, KGB? And I go, okay, yeah. It was the number one AM top 40 at the time. And, of course, later we had a battle with KCBQ, and they beat us, but we got it back. Right. So, and then, and I was gone before that battle continued. The back-and-forth uh, ping-pong match there between ratings and, and Buzz took the staff over there later after I had left, and it was a whole, the whole scene. But anyway, I'm at KGB for three years. And uh, there's an opening at KFRC, and uh, Ted Atkins was the program director, and uh, Bruce Wendell, who now is a, a VP at Capitol Records, says, uh, I'm, I'm talking to, to Ted, and Ted needs an all-night guy. And, and it, I remember reading the ads in the trades. It was there. The ad was there for two months, the opening. And he said, uh, call Ted. So I called Ted, 
And he said, I was already in San Diego and taped you. You got the job. So I go, okay. So uh, they moved me, RKO, great company. They moved me to San Francisco. And when I got there, Ted was the PD. They moved uh, Charlie into the PD slot at KGB. And that opened up mornings. And Drew tells me, you were doing mornings at KGB. And I talked to Mike and Willett Brown, who owned the station. And they said, you did a great job. I'm going to put you in there in the morning. This is September now, 1970. And if the pulse is good in, in November, we'll, we'll tear up the contract and write you a new contract and we'll boost your wages from 18.5 to 23 on an interim until we see what happens. He calls me in in November. He's tearing up that interim contract and he goes, uh, yeah, we're going to do you a three-year deal. And then uh, it was time for me to come back home to L.A. And I came back to, uh, I worked, uh, I had a funny week at KHJ. Drew called me up and said, Robert didn't come back from vacation. I'll prorate you uh, uh, 30000 into a week or whatever, rent you a car, and put you up in the Roosevelt Hotel. And if Robert comes in, if he walks in, get out of the chair and leave, and we're going to pay anyway. Well, Robert never came in, and, and Drew wound up hiring Charlie. <laughs> Charlie Van Dyke. Now I'm at Kiss AM for a brief period. They're doing summer relief. Dave Diamond is the ops manager. Uh, the late great, um, uh, I got this. Uh, Chuck Blower. Chuck oh, Blower was was doing his his mini dramas on there, and uh, great great talent. Glad I got to meet him and brush shoulders with him. Uh, Anyway, uh, the, the promise was it's summer relief. Uh, we got union problems. And at the end of summer, if everything works out, we'll work you into a full time. We'll hire you. But it didn't work out. Meantime, K100 is on the air. Called it K100. He goes, um, oh, I get a call from Irvivers, who was the GM. And Don Barrett of L.A. radio fame was the ops manager. And... <clears throat> So they call me up and, and Irv had worked at KFRC, Irv Ivers, who was the GM at K100, right. said, how come you didn't call me when you came to L.A.? And I go, well, Dave, you know, I had the Drew thing for a minute and then Dave called and, and uh, you know, and, and I, I worked that out and that didn't work out. So here I am. He says, OK, what shift do you want to do? <laughs> I go, I mean, I'm a little tired of getting up in the morning. So I started in the evening. So that was FM. That was when FM when FM became standard equipment, AM, FM radios and cars. They were still charging extra for FM. Yeah. Because yeah. AM was still the dominant uh, music sure. uh, frequency. Yeah. Well, Bill Drake was a visionary because uh, one time Bill Watson was in, that was Drake's lieutenant in San Francisco. And we're up at North Beach drinking it on Rico's, which was the Martoni's of the Bay Area. And we used to see Carlos Santana would hang out there. We'd see him all the time. Fred Bolitnikoff of the Raiders, Gene Washington of the 40, and all these people were, you know, that was a cool place to hang out. So Watson and I are sitting there. We're waiting for somebody to get off the air and come up and have a drink with us. And he says, Drake says, sooner than later, we're going to have to move everyone over to FM. The difference is color TV versus black and white. And he was right, because when the first time I played some of those songs that I played for years on AM, I heard, you know, riffs and ticks and things in there that that you didn't hear on AM and Monoro. Yeah. So so Drake was the visionary, either that or he got the uh, memo from the auto industry. <laughs> it was just cleaner. 
Uh, and as soon as they processed it, and they kind of made it similar sounding to AM with all without all that static. The FM song. No static at all by Steely, Steely Dan. Dan. Yeah, I love which, that song. Which describes what it became. Because you still had that, and in, in, especially in the beginning as they were introducing Top 40 on FM in the late 70s. It didn't quite work in the early 70s. It just, they, they tried it in, in maybe a few places it did, but not long term. And it didn't take off till the late 70s. So um, AM was still pretty much the dominant. And, and I think the car factory took advantage of that and charged extra for, I think it was till the mid you know, 70s uh, before, before it just became standard yeah, okay. yeah. in the car uh, industry. When FM made that transition from the 70s to the 80s, we suddenly lost top 40. We went through kind of this um, this soft period. And now where were you at this point? Okay, so shortly after uh, joining KIQQ K100, we called it. It was owned by, by the way, uh, a guy named Wayne Van Dyke, who, as I understood, no relation to Charlie. The way I understand it, he was an heir to the Weyerheiser paper fortune. He lived in Northern California, and he was enthralled with K101, which was in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he did that. Anyway, he got out and sold it to Gene Chenault shortly after I arrived. Drake, Drake and Gene purchased it. That would have been December of 73. And then, of course, Drake comes in. He brings Robert W. and the real Don Steele and Jerry Butler and, and uh, you know, some of the, the KHJ guys in there who were familiar to the L.A. market. And, right. Uh, and our goal was to get a three share. And we tussled and we toiled and we got a three. We, we, we scored a three share. And that was big back then. That was considered huge. What happened? Well, it, Drake got disinvolved then, and uh, some of the people that worked there that I worked with, we, we, we came to the conclusion that that station was built on an Indian burial ground because every time it became successful, it would, somebody would blow it up and it would go in a different direction. We tried a crazy experiment. We tried album rock in the middle of KMET and KLOS. KMET had double-digit ratings and were charging TV rates with Agency standing in line waiting for avails, and we kind of sneak in there. We try to squeeze in there with AOR, and I think we had like a one. We might have had a one-two share, where that was terrible. And uh, the successful net, I thought, show you how naive I was. I thought that when we became a Transstar affiliate, we did Format Forty One, which was uh, Bill Moyes researched. He researched the market. He went to our management and said, "That's where the niche is. It's between like K Big and Coast and." And it was right in there. It was a, a, a oldies based soft AC is what it was. And, uh, and, and it debuted with like a four nine. And I'm thinking, whoa, we're onto something. And I was the local live morning guy there. And the rest of the day we were on transfer. That's my dog auditioning. There. That's picking up. <laughs> making her own personal comments. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 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 so, yeah. So we were cruising along there in the, from 85 to 89 and then Outlet Corporation that owned it sells it to, uh, and a lot of people tried to buy it, but Norm Pattis of Westwood One fame outbid everybody and paid $56 million for it. 
And Andy was told because we had a, by that time we were counter-programmed, Johnny K at, K at Coast counter-programmed us down to, uh, I think we had a three something. It was down from a four, but still very, very saleable in the LA market. And plus we sure. were hitting the target audience. It was targeting a, a, a female for it's called format 41, but it skewed young and old. It skewed teens up to 80 year olds that, cause they were playing Neil Diamond and Barbara Streisand and, and all of those. So uh, Pattis was told to kind of keep it the same. And he hired Scott Shannon and Scott comes in and goes, I want to be a red Ferrari going down the freeway, a hundred miles an hour with no rear view mirror. And so they blew it up. I was fired. And then, uh, and then K earth in 94 and spent 22 and a half years at K earth playing the greatest hits on earth. Along that period of time, Joel Hollander who replaced Mel Carmazan at uh, uh, infinity, which became CBS uh, blew up. WCBS FM and put the Jack format on it and it, yeah, bombed, it bombed miserably. So then they reinstated CBS FM I as remember. to what it was before. And he told our management at K Earth that uh, the format's dead. Uh, get ready to get ready for a change. We're going to change it. Well, fortunately, they never did because by the time you know uh, Johnny was hired, Johnny K came in and uh, he, he had all the music you know tuned up the way it was. When we got a list like. Uh, where's, where's my, uh, gonna, a list an inch thick of, uh, song titles, artists and, and titles. And, but he went through that and we didn't play at all, but he played cause he knew the LA market. We played that. And then we went to the people meter and the rest was history. We, we were number one or two or three in all the day parts all the time. And when I departed the station, uh, it's coming up on five years, we were playing, uh, Eight, uh, 80s and, and tickling the 90s. I first met you when I was 14 years old at, K- oh. at KIQQ. You, uh, you came in, uh, your lovely mom drove you in. That's right. And I was doing two to six in the morning, just got off the air. Robert W. Morgan comes in and you came in to, uh, to do an interview uh, with Robert for your school newspaper. Right. <laughs> the Mulholland yeah. Junior High School uh, Pipeline. Yeah. And, and we took pictures. I took pictures of you and Robert and, and Barbara, the... Uh, the uh, Barbara Karcher. Yeah. Uh, his producer and yep. B.R. Bradbury. And... Um, I worked with B.R. at KFRC before he came to KHJ. Yeah, that's right. There. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and and um, that would have been 1974. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, all of you guys were so incredibly uh, kind to, to to me and my mom, and I'll never forget that. And she's a, I, that was so sweet of her to drive. You know, she she of course there's love. You know, she's your mom. She yeah. loves you. She drove you into Hollywood. I know. You know, the wee hours of the morning. <laughs> the wee hours of the morning. I know. It was still dark outside. Yep. But uh and and you guys were just great. And I've and gosh, I, I've I've known you guys for such a long time. It was such an honor and a pleasure to get to work with you at K Earth 101. And I got to work with you for such a, a, a long period of time there. Any a kid inspire or aspiring to get into the, the, the realm or the industry now 
it's tough because there's not a lot of places to start anymore. Well, there, all- there are no aspiring yeah. uh, uh, people because we're already now three generations separated from what we did. And there has been no one passing this information along. You know, I remember, uh, you know, you had starter markets. You could go to Bakersfield or San Bernardino or, or, you know, even further south, Indio or Palm Springs. And, and, but those, all those, most of those properties now are covered by syndication or satellite. Satellite syndicated programs. Well, no, there's a there's a a, a a famous guy that's doing it now. Auto is Mr. Mation. You you've not heard of Auto Mation? No. Oh, Auto Nation. <laughs> yes, I have. That left a burn mark on the ceiling for just a second there, did. He's he's working all over. Well, and you're enjoying life now, aren't you? You really are enjoying life. Oh, it's oh yeah, absolutely yeah. Golf a couple of days a week. Uh, I've got uh, family. My son and daughter-in-law and grandkids live in Acton. They've got an acre with horses, and and uh, I'm up there every weekend. It's only forty minutes from my door to their door, and uh, you know I, I was there Sunday and we barbecued and hung out and had a great time. And and there's that. And uh, you know I have friends here, and you know I I get around. I got a motorhome and. Uh, I can go camping. We're looking forward to some uh, winter camping coming up out in the desert with, with our dirt toys and, uh, you know, getting dusty and dirty. And the good thing about a motorhome is I have a shower. I can take a hot shower and I have a heater. I have a heater when it's 32 at night out there in the desert. I've got, uh, you know, a thermostat and warm. Jim, I'd like to, I know we're we're running so long on time (laughs) and I always do this, but I'd like to invite you to come back. And, and talk about some other things like um, KFRC and, sure. and 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 a few other stories, you know, that you'd like to to bring up and 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 share. And you know, we won't make it so long, but but uh, we'll talk about some K Earth One Hundred One stories, like uh, when you first um, arrived there, because you did you did mornings at K Earth One Hundred One. A lot of people don't rem- you know don't realize. That that there was Jim and Joni in the morning on that K Earth One Hundred and One. Yeah, that was an interim fill-in, and um, yeah, and 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 Robert and I go back. I first met Robert. Uh, he called me when when Drake hired me to go to KGB, and uh, and you know Robert how he was. He said you're going to be a. I can't repeat that here. <laughs> there might be children listening. Uh, and you're going to go down there and kick boom and, and, and hung up. And then he had the hotline and number both K, KGB when I was there and KFRC. And he'd call once every couple of weeks and say, what do you hear? What do you hear, man? What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh God. Some great stories. Great stories, man. Jim Carson, I'm glad to see you. I'm glad that people get to see you and let and 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 they get to see that you're doing well. You're looking great and you're having a great time uh, in your retirement. And for God's sakes, I think you could pick up, you know, the microphone again if you wanted to. But ain't nobody listening because Otto, you know, Mr. Mason. 
has taken over <laughs> the business. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's been a pleasure having you on Radio Memories. And I, I once again, thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Sky. Thanks for the invite. Take care of yourself. Great to talk to Jim Carson again. Oh, man, I love that guy. The nicest guy on the planet, sincerely. And I hope we get him back on because he's got some great, great stories about KFRC. And I really want to get into uh, when he was at KGB. That was that it, it was such a blast. And he's got some some incredible stories. And and when he was Jim and Joni at K, uh, K Earth 101 you know, in Los Angeles. And, and, it, and it, hopefully he'll join us again real soon. And I appreciate him taking the time and go back to your golf game, Jim. <laughs> appreciate it. Okay. Coming up next week, uh, another great radio legend. Hope you're going to love this one. I know you will. Yeah. Everybody have a, a great uh, weekend. Could you see my, my microphone pop in there for a second? <laughs> Don't you love this? <laughs> have a great weekend and until next time next wednesday for some more great radio memories <laughs>